Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live, where we are digging into the digital revolution that's sort of upsetting every part of our lives, sometimes in good ways, sometimes in this crazy world of 2020, not exactly as we'd like it, but we're all pretty tough and uh, we're going to hammer through it and figure out the, the best ways around this. Some of the news, the vaccines and so forth that's starting to come out gives us all a good reason to be optimistic about stuff. And such a big issue going forth into 2021 is going to be talent and the changing world around talent and what goes on there. So we're delighted to have with us today our monthly digital all-star expert on talent, Pat Fitzgerald, who's the co-founder of Career Ave. Pat, thanks for being with us. Always a pleasure to see you. Thank you, Bob. Great to be with you today. I really appreciate the the time on this, these topics that you have across the board, across the the, the whole Cloud Wars series, uh, just excellent. So I really appreciate, frankly, uh, and honored to be a part of this. Oh, Pat, thank you. We'll see if you feel the same way at the end of this episode, but uh, <laughs> that, that's up to you. Pat, so, um, you know, you're, uh, since you're fairly new, I'll just say a little bit, uh, Pat and I met probably about 10 years ago. Pat was one of the uh, executive recruiters at SAP. He's been, been there, he's done a lot of work with Siebel, and then several years ago, Pat started his own company at Career Apps. But Pat, you've really seen, especially in the tech industry, but all around, you know, these, these changes in the waves over the last several years for what's going on with the demand for talent is every company is just desperate to have this. So you had some interesting ideas this morning, Pat, that you wanted to share about how you're balancing the thing about there's a chief people officer and that seems to be rising in significance. Yep. What about the whole thing of talent acquisition? And do you feel that most companies get or are putting enough uh, oomph behind that in their efforts? So that's a, it's a great topic. And, and frankly, as I, as I, as I work with our current client list, we're working very fortunate to work with a lot of the smaller pre IPO private equity, venture capital funded companies. And as you mentioned, we've seen a, a wonderful evolution over the last 10 years of personnel to human resources to chief people officer. It, it's a brilliant evolution. And honestly, HR has achieved that level of strategic partnership that they so deserved over the years, have always deserved it. And, but, but I think where the weakness is, is that in that evolution to move the people forward, diversity, inclusion, all of the critical dynamics that some companies have always prioritized, but many have not. Um, we're seeing a lot of small companies uh, being, being funded or purchased by private equity and venture capital. And one of the first things they do is move the chief people officer up to a strategic role, critical uh, effort. What I'm finding in some of my clients is, is that that they're forgetting the talent team. Um, many of those companies have been run over the years by engineers. They haven't really been sales organizations. They've, they've, they've grown under the, the effort of the founder and their own personal volume and what have you. Uh, and they've had a bit of a passive approach to talent. Um, talent is such a critical uh, point today uh, as we come out of COVID and we start to deal with the new norm, like we talked earlier a little bit about the virtual employee versus the in the office. Uh, Bill Gates just had a, I think you presented it today. Bill Gates just had a topic uh, that he that he presented around, you know, 50% of employees going forward will be virtual, 30% office space will diminish. 
I, I don't know if that's the case personally, but I, I worry a little bit about that. And so as we look at talent today, what we what we find is is that the under the new chief people officer, those talent leaders are not understanding the change that they have to become. They also have to become strategic. They've been tactical. Now that's part of parcel of the challenge in, in, in you know in the in the world today that we have around the war on talent. Um, when a when an organization changes from passive to aggressive, and the talent team isn't really addressed properly, um, it's a struggle. And so what they do is post and pray, and they hope for the best. Um, they do the same around diversity, and we all know diversity is a uh, is a very active uh, project that needs to take front and center. Uh, it also needs to really look at how to accommodate diversity in these small companies. Um, you can't meet the demand by just trying to hire diversity talent at the professional and executive level. You really have to take a deep breath and recognize the way to really address diversity and talent transition is through the, the early in career and university recruiting. You can mandate certain statistics and percentages you know, for those pipelines. But it's, most companies don't necessarily understand that or aren't big enough to really understand that they've got to start hiring 10, 20% a year uh, and, and really build the diversity up from the ground up you know, through the early talent. And, and that's the right way to do it. Uh, chasing executives and professionals at the diversity uh, with diversity is, is, is a challenge because everyone is. And a lot of companies today still don't fully understand uh, really how to uh, make talent acquisition a strategic organization. What we're finding, Bob, is that the talent leaders are not recognizing the asset that, that the transition to chief people officer is created for them. They can earn a seat at the table, the talent officer can. And if the talent officer is, is capable and can earn the seat at the table and be strategic, then they also become an equal partner with the chief people officer under the chief people officer, but an equal partner in the broader picture of business development, of talent for the future, of weaknesses and strengths. Um, what we find is that the transformation ultimately is a year or more behind when it comes to uh, these funded companies. Uh, let me stop because I know we're going to wander around a couple of topics, but uh, is that an area that uh, that you feel is resonating with your other cloud war uh, stars? It, it's interesting when you say that, right? Because as so often happens in business, something that appears to be you know obvious, well, everybody gets it, right? Because on the one hand, you have every executive in every company saying, our people are our most valuable asset. Uh, there's a war on talent. We need world cloud, blah, blah, blah. So they all say that. What's the obstacle pattern? What is the thing they have to get over then to yep. recognize that and build it into the organization? Yep, and, and that's, that's exactly the, 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 the right question and the hardest point to solve. When you bring in a, a strong chief people officer who looks at total rewards, who looks at HR business partners that are strategic in the line of business, that are, that are looking on learning and development and hiring the right leaders for learning and development, what they sometimes neglect is talent. And so because of it, all of those functions start to rise to where they need to be, but talent ends up being tactical still. And when the 
budget is approved, the headcount is aligned, it's given to the recruiters, the recruiters post, we know the results, the results are challenging. Mm -hmm. Today, most companies, especially ones that are venture funded or private equity owned, want top talent so that they can hit their goals, that three-year acquisition, go public, you know, goals that they certainly all want to have. The only way you're going to do that, and we talked about it the last time too, Bob, is focus on culture. The chief people officer is there to focus on culture, but many companies today see culture as an afterthought versus architect, versus architecting it the right way. And so once you've started to identify that, the, the talent leader, the head of talent acquisition really needs to be a seat at the table also. And they have to start to recognize there's some simple processes to really start to meet those demands. For instance, um, one of the things that my company offers is we offer a diversity recruiter. So if your company is making those transformations, we can bring you a consultant that will do strictly diversity, talent, attraction for all lines of business. Most of the companies that we're working with are restructuring their HR and talent organization to the line of business. So they become specialists within those lines of business and become critical players within the client, uh, within the client's um, uh, regular meetings and, um, and, and, and set up so that those, those clients are actually trusting the business partner to understand their business, not just the HR function. And, and when the talent acquisition lead for that line of business is also at that table, now you're starting to understand the business needs and get ahead of the client. And that's a critical uh, engagement. Most talent acquisition leads today in these small companies don't recognize the earned opportunity of being a true trusted advisor and a strategic partner for the, for the development of the people. So what we are suggesting is that you you have to remake talent acquisition at the same time you make remaking HR. You know that uh, all the things you said make just a great amount of sense there, especially you know those those sense of priorities and that belong and get the specialization in there, but also ensure that these people are given some sort of. Um, I don't mean the recognition is that, but let the voices be heard. And so, I don't know, Pat, maybe it's something that everybody says, well, of course, you know, we have to have great talent. That's obvious. Well, it, it might be obvious, but it is not necessarily being practiced. And Pat, I'm going to hop on a little soapbox here for a second. I think what a terrible thing that a lot of companies still deal with is this mentality that we've dragged along for the last 50 years, or 100 years. And that is there's a in companies, there's a front office and there's a back office and the front office are the salespeople and they get to touch and see the customers. And then you have those other people in the back and they'd shove them in the basement, you know, if they could a basement office. Right. And you're, and I, I always wonder, who is in this back office? Well, is it manufacturing? Is it service? The people that talk to customers, is it uh, procurement that's going to save you a lot of money and help you get the best stuff. And in the same way, is it, HR. So you say yeah. that people are your most valuable asset, but you call them back office. You right. say that there's a war for talent and you know that that's going to be the make or break thing. So Pat, I think that part of what you're describing here is um, 
is in some ways, maybe it's a, it's a symptom of a deeper disease, which is that leaders, like you were saying, some of these companies, and God bless them, they've been phenomenal, but they, they take a very strong engineering background, product orientation, push that forward, and they just don't see the whole thing from the sales side that you nope. can't just fix this by going out and saying to somebody, hey, I'll give you 10% more than you make now. So off my soapbox, back to you. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> and and when the when the private equity of venture firms come in and they put in a new CEO or, but they don't necessarily recognize that they have to architect their own culture, and to your point, sales needs to many of those companies needs to be really looked at and recognize that it, it has been most companies have sold through their personal networks. The CEO has been the chief sales officer, even though he or she has been an engineer. Um, and so when talent really needs to scramble and ultimately start to change with the culture of the company, the key question is, is how does the talent leader understand the business? And are they in those meetings listening to the soft skills that the CEO and the COO and the CFO are articulating as they start to define the new culture of the company? Or is it second or third hand because the chief people office is in the meeting and the talent officer isn't, and then it gets second and third hand and kind of gets a little diluted sometimes. So our advice is, is that, and, and, and the challenge is, it, it, it shouldn't just be handed to anybody. Chief people officer has to earn that strategic yeah. partnership, just like the chief talent officer or the head of talent acquisition should earn it also. And, and in some cases, those people that have been with the company for many years might not be able to make that transition. And that's a real challenge. But if you really want to change the market and, and change the company and prepare it for that big event in the future, um, certainly like a lot of other companies are doing today, uh, you really need to identify what the talent acquisition organization needs to be. It is currently, on most, most of these companies, it is very passive. Today, our advice is you've got to bring in recruiters that are under each line of business in the, in the meetings so that they are more, uh, as we talked last time, that mix of old school and new school, the personal networks, the recruiter that actually knows that marketplace. <clears throat> I find, maybe I'm wrong, but I find that a good engineering recruiter doesn't like recruiting for salespeople and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So you've got to really know that there are different types of recruiters, just like there are different types of executives and HR executives and what have you that are very uh, adapt at their line of business and really have the network and the market knowledge and market intelligence like we talked about. So today's, I hope key word is going to be talent, or, talent, acquis talent acquisition leaders need to earn the strategic advisor opportunity in all of these companies. And I don't think that's happening today. Yeah, and Pat, you know, something that you said a minute ago uh, really struck me, you know, that these companies have to go out, they have to forge their own culture, they have to, you know, take the initiative on these things. And I would, it seems like with a lot of what's happened in 2020, not just the uh, nightmare of the pandemic and all that, but the response to that a lot of companies have had the leading companies have come out and they said, we're going to take the initiative. We are going to force ourselves to become that company we're going to need to be in the future, right? It's either like it's sort of this active or passive approach. They're going to be better prepared going forward. And I think to those other companies, 
they're allowing the future to happen to them. So as you get into things like now, what, what happens with talent and the sort of who's got the bargaining power when you get to this world of virtual employment, whether the, you know, Bill Gates and his 50% figures, right. Or whether it's 20, 30, 50, who knows, but right. it's going to be a very different world. And so this time to sort of allow all these waves of, you know, stupendous change to, you know, shape you rather than getting out in front of them. I think that's a pretty risky game. And you have some thoughts I know on this whole new era of virtual employment. So, <clears throat> I, yeah, and Bob, I'm, I'm the kind of guy, I love being in the office. I love the, the interaction The you and I had that when we worked at SAP together, the, the corridor conversations. Um, if you're an individual contributor, you glean so much. If you're a leader, you, you, you make decisions in the corridor meetings versus, you know, the board meetings sometimes. Um, you, you build the, re the relationship, you learn the, 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 the company uh, strengths and weaknesses and the culture, and you, you, you actually, uh, you know, are engaged in creating part of that culture. I, I think in today's opportunity, almost like education, I think there will be an evolution where whatever we say the new norm is now, I don't think it's going to really settle in. I think we're going to find that a lot of companies are going to certainly recognize that virtual employees are, are a huge asset, depending upon the individual, but not everyone is very good at, you know, frankly, being virtual. So I don't know if Bill Gates, again, I read the article briefly before, before our call today, but I don't know if Bill Gates is 50% is, is accurate. I suspect it's going to be less because I just don't think that, uh, that the employees are, are really going to enjoy the long-term engagement um, for many of them that, that aren't, you know, walking the corridors of major offices, just my personal opinion. A big software company had done um, a survey among its employees and it said that they found the, uh, the ones who were most eager to get back to the office were ones who lived in the largest cities. Yeah. And uh, they, their, their figuring was, okay, I don't have a lot of room here where I live. I'm trying to both live there and now I got to work there. And uh, it's a very, very tricky situation. So, uh, Pat, I'm sorry. I think that, you know, the, the big thing that's going on here that I think you're really getting at is companies that you, you sort of get the talent acquisition outcomes that you deserve. You yes. put the effort and energy into it. You make it a priority. It's going to happen one way. You don't do that, you know, you will, you will sort of, you know, get the outcome that you deserve here. So, Pat, if you had to boil that down for a couple of things, what would you, what would you talk to, you know, a CEO or a, you know, a, a CFO, a chief operating officer, what would you tell him or her? Well, I think the reality is, is every CEO and CFO and COO knows today that the war on talent is only getting more and more challenging. And they all want the top 20, 30% of the, 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 the employment, you know, the employees in the marketplace. Um, and we all know that doesn't necessarily happen by chance. So um, there's two things I think that really need to be addressed. One is articulating the culture so that it really is the company, the individuals are fully aware of what the new culture is going to be, especially you know depending upon the investor and the, invest, the investment. Two is I, I would like to speak to my peers, the chief, the heads of talent acquisition, there's a huge opportunity for us, for you, in your company to earn 
that strategic opportunity. It, it isn't given to you. It's just like career advancement. It has to be earned. It has to be earned based upon your knowledge of the industry, your knowledge of the company, your knowledge of the competitors, and then ultimately being able to earn the seat at the table so that you can, as a talent leader, you can understand where the culture is evolving, what's changing in the company, where the 2021 strengths are for that line, for the lines of business and where the weaknesses are. So you can actually guide your talent recruiters to actually get ahead of their clients at times. Um, and so I think in today's marketplace, and I think coming out of COVID, it, it's just a huge opportunity for everyone that leads a talent, talent acquisition organization to, to take a step back and take a real hard look at what they've been doing and what the marketplace is requiring. And we're talking primarily in the tech world, but I think it permeates right down into all the industries um, where the head of talent really needs to be much more focused on earning that right to be a strategic partner and a trusted advisor at the, at the leadership level of each of their companies. And Pat, I think that uh, that line is blurring uh, between tech companies and non-tech companies, right? It was a year and a half ago, I think that LinkedIn said for the first time ever, you had non-tech companies hiring more developers yep. than the tech companies were hiring. So it's hard to tell. Yep. Pat, I want to come back to you. It's sort of a big concluding question. But first, I wanted to uh, offer a word from our sponsor, BMC. BMC wants to know, is your business on its A game? That's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets where automation is paramount yet effortless and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A game. So Pat, guy like you, always on his A game. But uh, I wanted to ask as we wrap up, the term talent acquisition, I, I understand it. I think it has tremendous uh, relevance and urgency right now. You've got a, the talent acquisition. Do you see a point, though, in which the talent acquisition team has to uh, morph into it's not just talent acquisition, but what's the sort of the next chapter for TA? That's a, that's a great one. <clears throat> uh, and, and I personally never liked the, the term talent acquisition. I'm a recruiter. Now I get the fact that that kind of denotes that I'm tactical, but but I you know and I've never really been tactical in the roles that I've been in. I've been very fortunate to really earn that seat at the table. Uh, I think when you start to look at talent intelligence, which we should probably talk about in the future, and I'd love to introduce a couple of friends of mine that know that space better than I do. I think um, really it's got to. I think it's got to morph into. The, the whole chief people officer evolution also. So I think the head of talent should also be part of that head of people. Mm -hmm. And I think talent acquisition has to be identify, assess, attract, retain, and then develop. And I think talent acquisition today isn't that full evolution. I think it's the first two, attract and assess. But I think good talent acquisition leaders need to be more collaborative with learning and development, with distance learning, with executive assessments. And I think that has to really come from the heads of talent. 
I don't know what the new term will be for, for talent acquisition, uh, but, but I think it'll evolve pretty quickly because if we're not moving the needle to really retaining and developing talent all with the focus on diversity, which we all know and have always known, Bob, would both of us have worked for people that have always been focused on, you know, truly bringing in diversity. The diversity today is, is such a big priority, but you still got to retain them and then develop them. And I think there's a huge, you know, gap right now in the, in the industry, in that area. Pat, I wonder if some of those, your, your, your peers or colleagues or friends you talked about are really experts in talent and intelligence. You hear it all the time about for a company in any sort of business, they said it costs you this much to get a customer right, to get a new customer. So you really want to keep those people. You don't want to get, so it's got to be, you know, a staggering amount of money that a company spends, the money, the time, the effort, the lost opportunity in right. talent acquisition. So if the, as you're saying, if the, if the sort of the value chain ends at acquisition, right, and uh, big opportunities being lost. So and a huge, like you said, very, very real cost impact around replacing because you know, early talent does move on and rightly so. We want to develop the early talent so that they stay for 10, 15, 20 years versus, you know, moving on every two years because the company didn't develop them or didn't recognize the, how to retain them and how to create programs really that enable them to, you know, really uh, do more, uh, frankly, outside and community services you know, as they continue to mature. And I think those companies that recognize that and those talent acquisition leaders that recognize the breadth of their responsibility or potential uh, really will be the, the ones that lead uh, talent acquisition in the future. Yeah. Patrick, please tell everybody uh, where they could find out more about you and, and your company. Uh, our company is CareerAv, uh, CareerAv.com. I have a business partner, Mark Hatfield. Many of the, my friends know Mark. He and I have worked together for many years. Uh, we have a small company, uh, but we're, we're growing. We do executive recruiting, contingent recruiting, uh, contract recruiters. Uh, we also now uh, have been building a big business around building global talent strategy and talent models to really help other companies start to start to develop in the areas that we've discussed today. Well, perfect. Perfect. Pat, always fun. I look forward uh, very much next month. We'll talk some about talent intelligence. I can always use all the intelligence I can, I can Me gather too. in from smart people like you. <laughs> Pat, it's a pleasure. Um, have a wonderful, wonderful uh, next month. We'll see you sometime in mid-December. And uh, thank you so much as always for being with us. Thank you, Bob, for inviting me. I really do appreciate it. Same to you and to all you wonderful folks out there in the Cloud Wars audience. Thanks for being with us. You can catch Pat Fitzgerald next month as well. And every month after that, he talks about Fitzgerald on talent. Thank you for being with us. Best to all of you. We'll see you soon.